Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and, well, the most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And right now, I want you to imagine. A major financial institution, their leaders have just come into your office, and they have planned a Guinness World Record event, a relay race across the entire planet, crossing scores of countries with thousands of athletes and spectators. And it's, it's a huge testament to the reach of today's modern commerce and a very, very splashy PR event, of course. But uh, all they want you to do is provide security, that is, to make sure Every single part of this piece all globe-wide runs smoothly and safely in the remote parts of the world. <laughs> and very wisely, I am sure, of my friend, you would politely decline. But for Steve Ward, who's a managing director of Corporate Risk Services, uh, he's located right there in Manhattan. He would look around at his crew and uh, would say, well, it's tough in the Olympics, but... Uh, then he'd still look and say, sure, consider it done. And right now, Steve is going to tell you just how this ultimate security logistical nightmare gets accomplished. So if you've ever wondered about the inner workings that allow grand events to go off without hitch, pull up your chair a little closer and join us at this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your adventures flourish. Steve. Uh, thanks to you for taking time from your globe-trotting oversight of the Belt and Road Relay Race, uh, which is going on as we speak. And thanks for enlightening us, uh, coming to enlighten us uh, on the real realm of international security. Thank you, Bart. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, that's great. Well, now, Steve, uh, just to help us understand, let's let's get some size <laughs> statistics here. The the Belt and the Road Relay. There's, there's an a major institutional sponsor whose name for security's sake we're not mentioning, uh, has set up this, this Belt and Road Relay race. It's the longest and broadest of its kind. Uh, how many runners across how many countries and continents, how many miles and how many days? This is a big one. Um, I've done a lot of different projects in my, over the years, and this is large. So this is starting with a core group of 10 key runners that are going to be traveling and traversing 44 countries in 90 days. And then the events will have hundreds and in some cases even more, maybe even thousands of runners locally that are being set up at these races to run the consistent uh, relay. It's, it's, it's a juggernaut. It's very large and logistics uh-huh. are key. You know, getting in and out of all these countries is definitely something that we've been very concerned with. And we are down to 15 oh. days left on the event. Okay. So it's, it's a total of, what is it, 90 days? 90, it will be 93 days nonstop, uh, so it's it's going to be a, it's one of the longest in the history. <laughs> oh my God! Well, I, I also so here you are, uh, and you and uh, Arthur Corporate Risk Services uh, have to provide, as as you've said, global security for each runner and press person and spectator and official involved, and. Just as a, a, a ballpark figure, how many people do you contact and work with and, and train 
uh, and, and enlist to take on this this ludicrously difficult security task. It's just a ballpark. It's uh, it's dozens, uh, I'd say hundreds when it's all said and done, if not more, um, because what we try to do is mm-hmm. use local resources. And then in this case, we're working with the sponsor company as well, who has a, a very uh, sophisticated corporate security team. And then we also embed a team of experts to be with the runners so that they're there with them on the entire race. And in some cases, they're running with them. So that also becomes a challenge that you need to find. They're jogging along like the with the president's car. They're running the, yeah. the relay in every market, in 90 markets, nonstop. No, 46 <laughs> markets, 90 days. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a difficult one to find the right, the right fit for everyone. Yeah, fit is emphasis on the word fit, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they got to be tough. Well, Stephen, you know, just uh, before we get deeper, from from the insiders and the overseers' perspective, which you particularly have, what do you think this, this belt and road race is going to do for the sponsor? And more so, what does it say about today's global commerce? Well, I think that's very interesting. I mean, um, they're looking at reinvigorating and revitalizing the Silk Road as we knew it in, in uh, ancient time and modern. And I think that when an organization yeah, yeah. takes such a task and they put so much into it, it's definitely generating uh, a lot of buzz and PR and, and, and attention to what they need. And I do think keying in on what you said is, you know, such a, you know, what does it say about modern business? I don't believe anything like this could have been done 10 or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. And it doesn't seem that we're slowing. I mean, you see Amazon and all these major companies expanding into regions around the world, some moving into space. I mean, I think it just shows that there are boundless reaches in the idea that we're a global economy now. We're no longer, you know, just the American or just London, or just you know, United Kingdom, or just China. We're global. Everyone is. We're global citizens. I think I think it's very very wise point, and I think it also says something. You you brought up the fact that this goes back to the ancient Silk Road. Now this was when Rome. Uh, some would even go back as Mycenae and Greece, but but basically at least definitely the ancient Rome over there in Italy was connecting all the way with China, that this is, that we say we're global citizens, but we, but have we not always been pushed by trade? I mean, I, I, this is the way mankind uh, expands and explores, right? Yes, and it was a dangerous road then, and it's a dangerous road now in some areas. It's, some things have not changed. Oh, yeah. no matter, you know, as far as we've come, we still have not advanced in some areas. This, this is this is true. It, uh, I think Genghis Khan was one of the first ones to make the, the center part of it safe, and at least safe for him. Yes. I'm not so sure for others. <laughs> well, if you're yeah, just you may not have wanted to wander. You're into listening now to. Was that? Oh, you may not have wanted to wander into Mr. Khan's kingdom uninvited. <laughs> yes, right. I think not. <laughs> Oh, at any rate, if, if you've joined us, you're listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time floats merrily across the often exasperating realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download this and all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. And, and it's an added value, by the way. You may join 
uh, at the C-SuiteRadio.com. We're now proud members of C-Suite Radio, where business folks latch on to really expert examples to learn how to better build their dreams. So join us at the Art of the CEO on C-SuiteRadio.com. Now, Steve, I'm curious about uh, this. You've got this very cautious and sensible uh, global institution that, that shows you from uh, and your firm for this challenge. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, insight risk management, about corporate uh, risk services, and some of the other security uh, things that you've handled and the types of offerings you provide? Sure, sure. Insight's a very unique company. It's been around for 16 years, and the principal of the organization, Chris Falkenberg, was a former uh, Secret Service agent. Uh, then he moved on to becoming a white shoe litigator at a very well-known law firm. And then he founded uh, Insight Risk. And he founded on the principles of providing specialized services that are very, very high-touch white glove services. Um, we're transparent in how we approach every project, and we're nimble, and we're able to work throughout the world. So I think one of the key reasons why we were awarded this project was because of our approach. Um, the practicality of it and our ability to, uh, well, we're based in New York, operate in over 90 countries and bring very significant resources to bear. And that's how we approach all our projects is you look at it from a realistic standpoint of what the client's needs are, what we can really provide, what is really practical, and making sure that everyone's on the same page and then making sure we deliver on what we promise. And that's the transparency in how we do business. Um, my experience you know, started before then, and I've worked on multinational events, including the Olympics. I've been, had security for embedded reporters all over the world reporting from disaster zones, crisis zones, and in theater. So I have a little bit of experience in dealing with these types of, I would say, um, different projects than, the, you know, the cookie-cutter security projects, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, you've got variety. You, you do everything from trademarks to protecting uh, me and my car to, as you say, you've done the Olympics. And I, I, I remember when you were talking earlier, you said that, that you rate security challenges on, on a scale of 1 to 10, with the Olympics being about a 10, and, there, and the Belt and Road Race, therefore, coming in at about a 12-plus. Yeah, so this I, is I've got to ask this one. <laughs> yeah. This, you said, yeah. so i got to ask, you know, just as I asked when we, at the beginning of the show for the, for, uh, the listener out there, I'm going to ask you, they come into your office and this job falls in your lap. What, when, when they said it, what started running through your mind? <laughs> um, the first thing, candidly, was, was uh, just logistics. How do we move from country no, to no. country? Are we using a private or a public uh, uh, air transport? Uh, what are the contingency plans for if we get delayed? And what type of uh, security asset would be best in an environment like this where really the job is to make the runners feel secure, not scare them, and also be there in case something happens and someone with experience in all these countries. And those were the key factors that initially I wanted to focus on. Mm-hmm. Well, now, you you had mentioned that the, the sponsor had a uh, – uh, obviously they have it's a global uh, corporation and it has its, uh, its own security team. Were you um, – Frank, have, were you impressed with uh, how they they were handling themselves? Very much. Do they so. seem to have a really good feel of this. Okay. Very much so. I mean, I think that when you look at corporate security teams as a whole, 
think about the fact that this is just 93 days in their regular 365 days a year that they have to now plan for something external. So they were very supportive and our embedded team has worked very closely with them. Um, and they're very professional and it's, it's a task for them too. While they may not own the entire security of every single aspect of the event, ultimately they are still going to have to mine this event as well as everything else going on in their regular year. So I think that they were phenomenal, uh, working with our team. And, you know, I think they're quintessential reason why the, the project has gone the way it has now, uh, which has been very well. But like I said, I have 15 days left. Well, I jinx it. <laughs> Maybe you get some sleep. You're going to probably sack yeah. out for a week. <laughs> a lot of late well, nights. <laughs> well, I under, now just as a thing, you you talked about their their corporate security. I I'd like to. Uh, I'm wondering about most firms' corporate security and so forth. You said you're very impressed with these people. What just to help other business leaders out there who have corporate security programs, what could you give us compared to most firms? What, what say one or two things did you see in this firm that, that you feel a lot of other firms are lacking and, and might take heed and, and be aware of? I would say, I wouldn't say lacking. I just think every company has a different focus in their security posture and their risk posture and risk being key. Right. So here you have to have a, an underlying corporate security team that understands risk because they're taking huge risks here and is comfortable in playing in that role. And sometimes uh, what I see is some corporations tend to choose individuals uh, in the, within their corporate security program that may not have a global exposure, that may not have exposure to the different types of risk that the company is going to encounter. And that's fine. When you don't have that skill set, you need to reach outside and be willing to collaborate with consultants. And sometimes some programs feel that they don't want to reach outside for consultants. They can do everything themselves. And one of the things I think we learn in any form of business is that you, no one's an expert in everything. So I think that some companies right. could be more beneficial in identifying what they're very good at and then looking for trusted partners who are experts in areas where they're weak. And I see sometimes companies, you know, tend to try to do everything in-house, which doesn't always work. Yeah, yeah. and I think an experiment, the, the example uh, right before us here of, of uh, the, the, the Belt and Road race is, is, is a perfect thing of that. And now to, to, to reach out and get these people, uh, obviously you, you yourselves can't do this, uh, cover 44 nations in, in, uh, with in-house staff. You're contracting outside and um, I am, and you're reaching. Number one, I understand you have gone to every single one of these, uh, every single country that they pass through, and you've had your own boots on the ground. And when you get there, you're looking for staff. Um, what? Uh, how do you go about finding and hiring the staff? What's the process? So um, on this process, uh, this program that we're working on, we actually have embedded security teams traveling with them, which is also helpful because we have our own team on the ground moving with them. But we do it right. just like every other company that, or every other organization in trade is we have different organizations. We have professional associations. And over the years, we've developed uh, trusted relationships with partners that we vet consistently and by conducting operations with them on the ground and actually experiencing 
what they can and can't do, we develop a comfortability that we know how good the teams are, um, who is who is very, very good in certain areas, who is you know, maybe not so good in other areas. And having that real personal relationship, that doesn't change. In a modern world, it's even easier to have that personal relationship where I can pick up the phone and talk to my resources in Pakistan uh, through WhatsApp, yeah. you know, the Christmas cards come through that. It's just a very personalized that in this industry, I don't care mm. how big the organization is. And I've worked for some for the biggest in the world at one point. Everyone still has to have yeah. that relationship with their local providers. And a lot of it comes from going into these countries and working on the ground with them and seeing how they do business, making sure that they're meeting the needs, and then also connecting them with our clients because – we're not concerned the client is going to co-opt them or go directly to them. In a lot of cases, it's just not beneficial to anyone, but then they develop a relationship with the client and understand the client's needs and standards. I think, I think it's really good that you work so hard to interconnect everyone at every uh, contracting level all the way up. I think that's, that's a wise idea. and uh, <clears throat> it, it also takes more time on your part, which is why you're there. The logistics the is huge. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. speaking, yeah, we're as we move forward. It's, it's, you've gone through so much; it's, it's huge. And and I do want to continue talking about the kind of people that you bring on, and, and the skills and so forth uh, for the Belt and Road Race and for all the things. But at this point, uh, up as deep as we are in security, I think we should we need to exhale a bit and uh, perhaps take a brief sorbet from today's uh, Feast of Wisdom and allow me to offer you, well, let's call it a few utensils for today's feast. Uh, and the first utensil, uh, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you stop slicing time too thinly? You, you push aside the tyranny of hours, and just eagerly go ahead and pursue your goals? Or will you continue to let the pinprick of the clock govern you and fuel your anxiety? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. And as I pull it down here, okay, ah, this is number 10, this is number 10. <clears throat> Our marketing firm spends a swan, one small fortune on a security team to protect our offices from uninvited strangers. Then they spend a second small fortune on reaching out to unseen strangers, begging their opinions. <laughs> so what do you think, Steve? Is it possible for a company to, well, be too careful these days to, to get what I call an, an unprofitably fearful attitude? Yes, I think so. I think that, you know, uh, what we say is, you know, we can build you the most safe uh, environment in the world, but you never leave it. And that's not going to be beneficial for a business. So I think that companies need right. to have a steady uh, approach to security standards, be proactive, have planning, and have some modicum of training without the fear factor involved. And through that, you can get a baseline and consistency that if an unfortunate event happens, you'll know how to, or people in the organization will know how to respond to it. I think that that's better than a reactive model or a fear-driven model. I think that anything driven by fear, you've already lost the battle. 
Um, I think you have to just try to get into what we say is the security mindset. And that's the idea of just little things you can do every day. So I think it is uh, something that can be attained and, and achieved through by organizations if they take it as a cultural uh, approach and as a preparedness approach. That's excellent. Uh, I, I particularly I enjoy this coming from uh, one of security professionals, top top folks. And I think we have just heard from Steve a quill pen moment. That means a timeless truth of business. So I'd like everybody listening to sit here, take their pen, dip it in the inkwell, and scribble down as. Steve has said, any action that is taken from fear is losing the battle right from the beginning. So put that down, and I thank you very much, Steve, for, for passing that on. And if you smirked a bit over this silly quip that we've had, uh, we've got them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com, pick up your copy of the 102 or the 101 best business quips, and your cheery little wit will be something that lifts all the spirits of your fellow chain gangers at work, we do indeed hope. And as a third utensil, we sumptuously spooned you the answer to last week's business quotation, and that is the name of the individual who said, <clears throat> I love this, since we think we have solved the mysteries of creation, perhaps we should patent the universe and charge everyone royalties for their existence. <laughs> Those wise words were spoken by none other than the prince of theoretical physics and wizard of cosmological knowledge, the recently departed Mr. Stephen Hawking, a great man. Congratulations to all you winners, and stick with us, because later on in the show, Blurting Your Way, comes another enriching quotation, and if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be, and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind and soul-igniting gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. <laughs> and... Uh, before we have the Prince of Corporate Security tell us uh, how one goes about building safety, safety networks in 44 countries simultaneously, allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we're here today. That company is Prometheus Publishing, who invites you to browse their selections and focus on one particular book, so that's how they do it. Tactics from Business Masters. Uh, this, I, I have to tell you, this is one of my favorite book projects, primarily because of the readership. We deliberately designed this book for those business folks that we term the energized elite. You, you know who you are. You're that individual who seeks that fulfilling and satisfying career, and you want it enough, not just to hear about some good idea, but to put your arms in the swivel chair and rise up and seize that better tool and apply it to your own business. And you don't need some seven-step recipe recipe book. What you want is a good idea, a panoply of tactics that have worked for others and that you want for yourself. So we've made these tactics and disciplines short, easy, with a uh, hint of uh, several good examples, and our hope is that you'll pick up. So that's how they do it. Bypass all the things that don't that don't suit you. Apply the ones that do, and just maybe set your mind pondering towards some little improvement of your own. You may find, so that's how they do it, at, among other places, uh, bartsbooks.com, Amazon, and where all the better books are sold, at fabulous bookstores. <laughs> and now, with utensils in hand, let us return to Steve Ward, the behind-the-scenes security wizard who makes facing the ultimate security challenge, the uh, Belt and Road Global Relay Race, seemingly uh, something done with ease. Well, possibility, if not ease. <laughs> 
Stephen, you, you talked about bringing, uh, hiring and trusting people in, in countries as you go around. Uh, just as a tip to the globally reaching entrepreneur that, who, who might be listening in, what are the qualities and credentials you look for in an individual or a crew as, as you hire them for, for a large uh, international security job? Sure. Um, I think one of the quintessential pieces of, is that they have the experience, whether they've been in the military, uh, law enforcement, federal or local. Um, but for me, the key factor is that they're able to adapt to a corporate and civilian environment. Um, you can have the best resource, but if they're unable to adapt to a corporate and civilian environment and understand the culture of the people that they're protecting, you're going to have a failure. So we look for people that have that capability to have been, you know, what I would say is top tier in their, in their different respective past career and now have been able to traverse over to the, the corporate sector and been able to understand that we are dealing with human beings that are not, you know, raised in the same way we are. They haven't done business in the same way we have, and we are there to be their trusted advisor and to help them in any way we can and not pontificate and tell them what they need to do, but to be a help, helping hand. Is that a difficult hurdle for many people who have come out of military or, or other professional it security is. training? It can be. It can be. Yeah. Because, okay. That's you know, from a business standpoint, there is um, what they can afford and what they want to do. And then sometimes there's the buy the book that I need 50 people and I need this and I need that and I want a drone and, Sometimes it's just not practical from a business standpoint. So <laughs> flexibility and the ability to be nimble and think on your feet is also key. I see. Okay. Well, I, just as you're, uh, as I say, you're going, uh, you've got your crew and you're they're all set up. Was there a lot of it's rema- amazingly remote as I, I look at the race course? Uh, was there one area or nation that, that really presented a, a tough uh, challenge for you throughout the race? I would say that there were uh, two countries I was concerned on some some level with, which was just uh, in the Middle East. I had Pakistan and Iraq, which are definitely difficult countries to to do uh, events like this in. And also moving into Africa because of the stability of some of the nations um, uh, and, and also not just from a physical threat, but also from illness because Africa is the last portion of the race and people are run down and they're going from climate to climate. So I was concerned that at this time of year, the warmth could actually take a toll on the runners. So from the health aspect too, as well, I was concerned. Um, And still, you know, I think we've, we've had some very, very good success and I hope it continues through. Um, But those are the areas I look at and logistics was to me, the most important thing because you're going in and out of so many countries so quickly that I didn't want to deal with what we've seen in certain uh, countries around the world where they're having detaining individuals from Western countries just to detain them. And I didn't want to have any of those problems oh, happen. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 uh, there is all the world is politics. Well, another aspect is technology. I, you were talking about Africa. I know from my own experience that uh, <clears throat> as a journalist working through these lands that the one thing that you can always count on is, is continued and, and, and continued unbroken chain of electricity, which changes things. And, and, and around the, high, uh, the whole idea of technology, you had said you're not sure we could have done the race uh, 20 years ago. Do you think we could have – could you have provided security for, for something like this 20 years ago? 
I'm not sure. I think it would be a much bigger project. I don't think it would be something where you could embed uh, like one key person to move through all these countries. Just the think about mm-hmm. the technology, technological aspect of being able to track flight, rebook flights, move so nimbly from country to country, um, reporting, being able to give uh, intelligence reports and geofence uh, locations to give real-time alerts. I think it would be a major I, I, undertaking, and I'm not sure if it would be something that would go off as seamlessly or could even have been done at the time. Well, tell us just a little bit before we, uh, as we're coming up, you had 10 core athletes, and they're running the entire race. Uh, what's your opinion of them? How did they impress you? Um, from what I've seen, they, they are amazing. I mean, they, many of them were uh, managing directors of the organization, so they're getting out there and talking to the people. So these are athletes really? that, um, yeah, so the grind of thinking about running in, you know, for 90 days straight, uh, 44 countries, constantly on and off, jet lag. I mean, at some point, they want to just, you know, it's standard. This one just wants to tone out the, uh, the security guy, you know, dad or dad's here telling us what not to do. And they've been great. Um, great people, very, very strong, obviously, and well-conditioned. Yeah, and yeah. I think that, that that shows, you know, their commitment to the event as well to get out there and engage with the public about what their company is doing is, is amazing. So I was very impressed by them. You know, it takes a major emotional commitment as well as a physical one and, and even a mental one to, to talk with people and, and run. There has, there, is a, there, is, there has to be, as you said, a drive to keep doing that. And uh, I know that it's, it's, it's something that uh, we into any long project, we all start to emotionally flag. And, and so it's, I, they, sound, they must be an incredible clue. Um, just, uh, I'm, I'm, and speaking of, of moves and keeping going, what about yourself? What, uh, you, you have a, a broad range of your own security management, and uh, what uh, brought you into the whole security line of work to begin with? It was uh, it was not planned. Uh, when I was an undergrad, I had an extern. It was not planned. My parents did not plan this for me. <laughs> no, I don't think many parents do. But, uh, <laughs> so here's where you're going to go, Junior. Yeah, I tell my dad I want to become the next Magnum PI. I was not really going to be on his hit list, but um, I was recruited <laughs> no, with a. Uh, <laughs> I was recruited with uh, during when I was an undergrad with, with, through an externship oh. with a New York State agency. And they had introduced uh, me to pretrial release and investigative services. And I was very impressed by it. And I wanted to continue and follow this. And I was pre-law. And uh, when I exited college, I applied for the government, but there was a hiring freeze. I moved quickly into the private sector. Yeah, there was a hiring freeze. They weren't hiring. So I moved into the private sector. I started working in different roles. I wound up running a Wall Street law firm, Security and Investigations, and Around the time the hiring freeze has freed, I applied to law school, got in, and I just decided to try my hand before I went into law school into running my own company. And I started my own firm, and eight years later, I sold it to uh, Securitas and Pinkerton, which is one of the largest security companies in the world, and worked with them. So it's been not planned, but it's been fun, and I'm driven by the how the evolution of the field has come from when I first started being a field investigator to what the tools we are and what we have now and how it makes us more functional and better at what we do. 
you you have made, I am sure, a leap that makes the typewriter to computer leap seem minor by comparison. It it must be just fabulous. And um, we're coming to the end, but I do want to ask at least one more thing, and that is if I am looking for anything from family or executive protection right up to making my next global convention that involves 37 nations and a water balloon fight, <laughs> how, do, how do I get in touch with, with Insight Risk Management and Corporate uh, Risk Services to uh, make sure that uh, the whole thing runs smoothly? You can contact us at our website, which is uh, InsightRiskManagement.com, or you can contact me directly through my email contact, which I can provide you. It's sward at InsightRiskManagement.com, and we can help you. All righty. Well, I thank you very much, and I ask you all also to thank you very much for coming on. And I also, when the race has finally been run, Look on theartoftheceo.com because we're going to get a, a wrap up from this on Stephen in our news and events. So, uh, so all all the things that, uh, that you can't mention here, we'll, we'll talk, about, talk about then. <laughs> uh, Steve, thanks so much for coming on. It's been it's been very enlightening and uh, it's been, been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, you take good care. And as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. That is, who was it who said, horse sense is the one thing that keeps the horse from betting on people? (laughs) (laughs) And as a hint to the author, this rye entertainer once told Mae West that there were only two ways to get ahead today, sell liquor or drink it. That should give you a good idea. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just scribble that author's name down as you believe it to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely career-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And be sure to tune into the Art of the CEO <clears throat> radio show next week when we are going to bring to you uh, – well, I'm not – I've been told not to tell you. I've been told you that this is a surprise guest – So uh, we're going to let you uh, tune in, and all I can say is that this guest has been honored as one of the top people in one of the the world's largest banks and in one of the world's greatest technology agencies as an honorary fellow. And from there on, I'm just going to let you uh, be ready and guess. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, I say, why not let today be the day that you dust off your dreams because if you don't no one else will do it for you and to you who have been gleefully sharing our feast i hope you've enjoyed the art of the ceo uh, as as much as steve and i've enjoyed bringing it to you and remember that you may download this and all our shows by visiting the art of the ceo.com and finally to you who've honored us with your time may i say as always it has been a privilege And I thank you.